Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Hello, everyone. Today, I've got the pleasure of having Natalie Davison. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. So marketing is the easiest thing to do in the world badly. I know I'm proof <laughs> positive of that. And it's like voodoo to just get it right. So you actually turn marketing into cash. Oh, I love, okay. Everything you just said, I want to unpack for hours and hours. And I know we only have so much time. Um, but I love to start all my conversations with my definition of marketing, our definition of marketing at Mero, and that is marketing is just getting humans to take action. So I don't think you're, anybody is actually bad at marketing. I think we just don't recognize some of the inherent skills that we've been honing over our lifetimes. Parents who can get their kids to eat vegetables, they're pretty solid marketers. They just haven't really transferred that into maybe uh, generating dollars and cents for the bottom line. True. There's so many ways to market. Oftentimes what I find is that people want to say what the audience wants to hear instead of who they actually are. So how do you help your clients discover who they are so what they communicate to the outside world is authentic? And that isn't for any kind of like, uh, you know, I'm better than you, I'm in integrity. It's like integrity sells. When you're being who you are, you attract the people that want to do business with you and people that don't, when you're trying to pretend who you are, then of course uh, there's a, uh, you may win in the short term, but maybe not the long. Oh, you've got it. I mean, you know, trust comes down to two things, openness and competence. Those are really the two kind of components of any communication that are required to build trust. And mm -hmm. we often chase competence or the appearance of competence at the sacrifice, at the, you know, at the peril of openness. So we will build these identities that we think look good and that will drive the bottom line. And it's really hard not to. If you consume any social media at all, if you follow other brands, it's really, really difficult to stay focused and on track. So in the work that we do, everything we do is around the concept of brand integrity. And we yes. have a framework, the, the brand integrity framework. And it's really how to build a brand that remains in integrity. And one of the first principles I like to make sure that people understand, and it takes forever to reinforce is that this is not going to ever be an exercise that ends. You know, your, yeah, your ability to be um, in integrity with your message today is entirely dependent on so many factors like self-awareness and, you know, um, confidence and courage and like resilience. Those, those soft skills that people don't always associate with uh, growing revenue are essential to your ability to actually tell an honest message from your organization. And so oftentimes, yeah. So Natalie, one of the things I find, think of four of your friends, whoever they happen to be. I'm sure they're lovely people. What people tend to do is they have three faces. One, they show the outside world. Oftentimes it's like, look at me, I'm pretty, I'm smart, or look at me, I'm a victim. Whatever that illusion they show the outside world. And then we have this sense of who we are. Then we have the authentic who we actually are. So that's happening at a human level. Would you agree? I would agree. Yeah, I would definitely agree. 
So if that's going on in the person you're working with, how do you get them to get a message that has integrity if they don't really know who they are? Well, there's always some level of integrity available to us and, and mm -hmm. some level of honesty available to us. And I know that I know to be true, we can really only get organizations to be as brave as they're ready to be. So integrity is what matters most, not necessarily um, getting them to a place where they're ready to tell their scariest stories. You know, I have, a, I guess, and we don't want to do that anyway, which I agree. Exactly. And I can think of, you know, a client that I worked with a few years ago that was tre tremendously incredible at customer service. It was a software organization. Now, what was really interesting is their competitors were mostly all startups. It was a really trendy space that a lot of startups were getting into and their websites were sexy and their interfaces looked so cool, but they didn't have track records. Now, this organization was 25 years old. Their product was tried, tested, and true. It also was kind of ugly. And so we came into this situation where they didn't want to show screenshots on their website. They didn't want a live, uh, they didn't want a product demo forward facing. They wanted to put all that stuff behind the scenes so that they could sell first and then people would figure out that their software looked old. And what, right. what I came to them with was, no, we need to actually own this. Your software does look old. Someday maybe it won't, but today it does. And how is that your strength? You're not a startup. You have 20, brilliant. Yeah, you have 20 years of of track record behind you. You're selling, you know, on a global scale. You have large organizations um, that are global organizations that have been your customers for decades. That is what Own your it. differentiator is. That is true. And so those are the types of things that we're talking about here. So they don't have to be. I'm not really into vulnerability for the sake of vulnerability. I think that vulnerability is very trendy right now. It doesn't have to be some big dramatic situation. It's much more about what is actually happening here and how can we tell that story? You may not remember this time. Uh, there was a time before COVID. <laughs> so last year I was at a wedding and there was like maybe two, 300 people at the church and this priest comes up, the priest that was supposed to do the ceremony couldn't make it. So this other priest came and he said, I just want you to know that I was just a graduated or whatever they call it from seminary. And this is my first wedding. And he got a round of applause and this is not being vulnerable. This is just stating the truth. And because he did that and he did a beautiful job that it took the pressure off him. People connected with him because it was real and he could have just done the wedding and everybody would have liked it. But there was just something about that honesty that it just made it more endearing for everybody. So I agree with you. We don't want people to say, oh, I was beaten when I was three years old and I was homeless and nobody wants to hear that. But if your truth is, hey, we got out, our software doesn't look pretty, but it does the job, it's been doing it for 25 years and here's five kick-ass companies. So let me ask you this. There has always been a battle before good and evil, before that ever happened, there was a battle between the marketing department and the sales department. <laughs> because you know the marketing people suck and the leads you're giving us are like horrible. Where are you getting these things? <laughs> and the marketing people are telling salespeople, you wouldn't know a lead if it bit you on the butt. So how do you as an agency help bridge that gap? Um, well, okay. What is your policy on swearing? <laughs> uh, it's uh, very, very lax. <laughs> very lax. Okay. Um, you know, the way that we have come to, to know marketing departments, um, there's a lot of bullshit. I'll be, I'll be honest. I mean, um, right. there, there's a lot of bullshit in marketing departments and 
when you, and there's a lot of bullshit in marketing agencies, frankly. And when you start seeing people trying to drive um, numbers that actually do not move the company in the direction of its business goals, which if that is lead generation or if that is conversions, if we're driving other things and we're trying to say, but look at this, look at this metric over here, um, you know, that is not marketing. <laughs> That, that is not getting humans to take the action that you were supposed to have them take. So I don't believe in attention for the sake of attention. I think that is mm -hmm. an absolute waste of people's time, energy, and resources. And no, Natalie, you don't understand. It's building our brand. It's like, who cares? Not numbers on the bottom line. Right. And we can build a we can build any brand you want, but if it's not a brand that's aligned with the business goal then it is, it is yeah. not a brand worth having. And so that's one of the most important parts of brand integrity is what are, before you figure out what stories are we going to tell, what are we trying to accomplish? What, where are we going? Like an alignment on vision is step one. And, and if that's not there, marketing's a big waste of time. So here's my thoughts on marketing, which is kind of heresy because I'm a sales guy, is I think marketing is the superset and sales is a subset of marketing. And if it's done right and they both realize that, hey, how do we get customers? How do we beat the competition? If they come at it like that, because marketing should be all about feedback. We're creating this, it's getting these results, it's not working out well, what do we need to do instead of blaming? So it requires a culture shift, not only between the two departments, but the entire organization. I 100% agree. And it, when these teams are not set up with a clear end-to-end -end path, with the understanding that that very first brand message aligns with whether that sale is closed and every step of the way is part of the, the marketing system, is part of the brand. If that alignment is not there and that creation of a, a team environment among those is not there, then we are, you know, we are destined to not hit that result. This has to be a well-oiled machine of people working together. Whether it's a solopreneur who is the only person in the organization, that's pretty clear. You, you understand that that post- that you made on LinkedIn is going to drive you to that customer. You know how that all went together when you work yes. by yourself. But once you've got an organization with a couple hundred employees, that does start to break down. And there's no space for ego or um, you know personal personal validation in there. It has to be a team effort. So how do you navigate that? Because you probably work with companies that have marketing departments and sales departments, and they've got their culture, and most cultures kind of screwed up because there is ego there and is, you know, it's all about me, Natalie. I am pretty awesome. Uh, why don't you realize that? So how do you come in? Because you have to swim that water and get the results you want. So how do you do that? Well, first of all, we have to understand, and, and we really like to set the idea that um, marketing is, is not just a series of campaigns you know, your brand is a long-term commitment. Marketing is a long-term commitment. And that uh, walking into a meeting and somebody saying, what's the ROI of this hour I'm about to spend with you, Natalie? I mean, it, right away, I know that's not my buyer persona. We want to work with people who are looking at the big picture of their brand. And once we have that kind of a commitment, then we can start to drill into um, our very methodic procedure of building an integrated brand. We would start with interviewing the best customers of the organization. Once you have that kind of data, what they report as um, their fears, their concerns, their opportunities, the things that they're excited about. Once you have the language they use, 
then you can start to bring that data back to your team. It's not about I, Natalie, the marketer, have a great idea. It's about the customer has told me what they want. And that starts to really shift things. Absolutely. I was doing a workshop uh, this past weekend. Uh, My area of expertise is human behavior, how to change it. So we had a very small gathering and we had this machine there that kills uh, viruses in the air and on surfaces uh, just to make it a safer place. And the guy that brought the machine in said, you know, one of the things uh, it does is it makes the air smell fresh. And I went, okay, that's cool. And so one of the uh, conference attendees, workshop attendees, first thing he said was, man, the air smells really fresh in here. And it was like, I had to tell the guy, if that's what you're trying to do, your customers are receiving that message because companies don't do that. Mm -hmm. Or the person, this is what we do. And here are the three most important reasons to work with us. And you talk to the customer and it's like, there's not any of those three. It's actually this one here that you're not articulating. And if you can talk to customers and say, by the way, here's the message here. Let's communicate that. That's it. That's the, that's how messaging should be built. And when it's not, I mean, we have a lot of, we, again, back to, you know, egos and marketing. I can't tell you the amount of times I come into an organization and say, okay, we're going to work on your building your buyer persona. And they say, oh, we have those. And then I go, great. How did you assemble them? How did you gather the data? Well, we just, we just know. And, and I'm like, yeah, we, we just made it up did, did you get <laughs> yeah. on the phone and do interviews. Did you, you know, how did we come to this conclusion? Data is only as good as, as, you know, garbage in garbage out. It's only as good as what you collect. And so it's really, again, about, we got to let that ego down, receive information, re-communicate that information. I mean, that is, that's really what it's all about. You pronounce about very interestingly. <laughs> It sounds almost Canadian or from Minneapolis or Dakotas, eh? Uh, where are you from? I'm from Atlantic Canada, um, the province of New Brunswick. Me too. You, you are? I am a Toronto boy. Oh, no way. Oh, that's too So funny. I'm in the States now, but uh, Toronto's the home, hometown. I lived in Toronto for 10 years. My husband's from um, the west end of Toronto. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So do you know what the difference is between a Canadian and an American? <laughs> I mean, we could talk for a while, I'm sure, but I feel like you have a punchline coming. I do. It's a joke. (laughs) When you ask an American, uh, who are you? They go, I'm an American. When you ask a Canadian, who are you? Our answer is, we're not Americans. (laughs) 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 That's our national identity. I was, I mean, I was waiting to say that. (laughs) I can't lie. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about a client you had. You can change names to protect the innocent. That fought you tooth and nail. Natalie, you do not understand. We know our customers. And then they finally saw the light. How did you go from taking someone that's really resistant to really seeing the light and getting the results they want? Okay. So a couple of things. Um, The reason I like to, uh, you know, and earlier I said, thinking about that big picture and that long-term commitment, here's why. Their Mm -hmm. ability to see the light is going to be like completely impacted by Um, their willingness to see the light. And that's not my responsibility. So I can't control where people are at in their journey when they come to me, but I can help them make the next movement. And that's, that's the responsibility. If, you know, if any of your listeners or listeners or agency owners, it's very hard to come to that place, but it's an essential place to allow you to do your best work. Because although I think the person should be over there at Z, they might only be ready right now to go to F. And we need to celebrate F, get them to F, and then maybe they can move on to G-H-I. Am I saying my alphabet right? So um, so in terms of a client example of that, I mean, a, you know, a great example I had, it's a long-term client I've been working with for years. And um, 
they hired me to do a rebrand. They hired our agency to do a rebrand and we did and they loved it and they never rolled it out. And I learned so much from that client because, you know, at the time it was, it was honestly hurtful. I mean, when you pour your heart and soul into building a brand, you know, there still is ego here. I just have to put it on the shelf. Oh yeah. yeah. Course, and so absolutely. Like, why aren't they using it? They loved it. And I started to really uncover that they were not ready. So I saw them fully but they were not ready to see themselves fully yet. And so they, they have not said no to the brand, but it's been on pause for a couple of years. They've held it aside. They're going to roll it out someday, but they're not ready yet. And so some of the things that have happened since then was we needed to do more movement in the organization. So they actually hired us to come in and do um, one of our programs with them and start taking their team on this journey with us to start evolving identities within the team and as a team. And hopefully the outcome will be eventually that the brand then reflects how everybody feels and where they feel comfortable in their journey. But that has required um, a long-term investment in the understanding right. that identities evolve. And the brand that we brought forward is the brand aligned with their vision. It's just the team wasn't ready yet. So that's been an ongoing an ongoing process for us. So here's something kind of interesting is uh, I do a lot of work with individuals and teams. Oftentimes what happens is that most company mission statements are really amazing. It's like we are dedicated to the betterment of our employees, our customers, and the whales. And it is such complete bullshit because they just had a consultant come in or they do something that's like just so insane. They go, we'll ask the employees, we'll ask our customers what they think, and then we'll come up with something that's freaking inauthentic because it's just manufactured in the lab. The second thing is they really don't know what the values of the organization are and what the values need to be because most companies, it's one person that founded it. Like certainly the, there's companies that are global that are super large, but most of the people you and I would deal with would be, you know, hey, it's less than 100 people. The guy that founded it or gal is right there. So what I've been doing is uncovering their personal values at a deep level around work and mapping that over to the company values. And I help them uncover their purpose in life, why that human being is on planet Earth. So I had a client that was looking to just sell the business, go do something else. It's like, you know, I've been doing this for all, it's time to leave. And we started working together. And so I said, okay, let's uncover your purpose in life. And he's in his 40s, married his high school sweetheart. And we uncover his purpose in life. He goes home, tells his wife, she goes, oh my God, that's you. You've always done that. And so we mapped his personal purpose and made it the company mission. And this is what the company mission ended up being. Mm. They were an IT firm. It, this is their mission. We are committed and resourceful explorers. And we took his personal values around work and the criteria he uses to map it to his company. And then he calls back, said, I went to visit a client. We were the third vendor in pitching the business. The guy says, okay, tell me what you do. He says, let me tell you about our mission. We are committed and resourceful explorers. This is what it means to you. And the guy's like, you don't sound like any other tech company we've ever come across. And they hired them. And the reason I share it is since he's the poster child for the company, he gets to live it and breathe it without pretending to do anything, just being. Mm -hmm. And that I think is ultimately our goal is when we can be authentic to who we are, we have a bigger impact in the world. Yes. And we can stop proving, you know, we like, we as consumers can sniff out a pitch 
a, my, a million miles away. We can sm- sniff out proving. When somebody's proving, trying to prove to you, you yeah. don't, there's the connection is gone. You don't want to buy from that person. I love that philosophy because I, I truly believe in my heart of hearts. Brands are just collections of humans, one human or 10 humans. They're just grouping of, groupings of humans who exchange value. And when you are mapping his very natural um, personal attributes to the brand, it only makes sense that if he's showing up in that brand wholehearted, then that's how the brand is going to show up. And you're now giving him permission to. You're taking away all these weird societal roles that we've been told to play and saying, actually, no, your job is to be the highest and truest version of who you are in the first place. And that is beautiful, beautiful work. Natalie, we could talk for hours and we're going to do that later on. (laughs) Natalie, thanks so much for being on the program. And I can tell you're a professional in what you do. And I'm so happy we had a chance to chat. Me too. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming and that is the fastest way to get better results. 